Hi, welcome to our first ever podcast for the CUNA School District. It's called Together We Can. Our topic today is navigating the new school year. I'm your host, Wendy Johnson, superintendent of the amazing CUNA School District. And today we have a fantastic panel of parents who are here to share their valuable insights and advice about starting the school year strong. Let's introduce our panelists. We have parents Courtney Emery and Alicia Cotterell, who were former students of mine back in the day when they attended CUNA High and I taught at CUNA High. And our amazing parent volunteer, Suzanne Ronge. Thank you for being here with me today. I'm gonna have each of them introduce themselves. So Courtney, would you give us a little bit about yourself and your experiences as a parent? Uh, hi, I'm Courtney Emery. Um, I'm a lifelong CUNA resident. Um, my hope, my son is a third generation caveman. Um, my experience as a parent is I have one kid, so I, I try to be as involved as possible because I only have one shot to get it right. And <laughs> so I rely on the school district and other parent groups to help me do that. Thank you, Courtney. I appreciate your um, one shot to get it right. Yep. That's how we all feel, don't yeah. we? Oh, I'm sure, um, yeah. And it does take a tribe for us to do this work. So um, next we have Alicia Cotterell. Would you tell us a little bit about your parenting journey? Yeah, um, my parenting journey started 23 years ago. Um, I also am a lifetime CUNA resident, and um, I have four children. I have two boys and two girls. My oldest is 23, and my youngest is in high school. She is a sophomore. Um, we have attended Hubbard Elementary, what used to be called Teed Elementary, Reed Elementary, CUNA Middle, uh, Fremont Middle, and CUNA High School. So I volunteered in each of these schools and participated in the PTOs um, at each school and tried to be as involved as possible and to meet as many parents as possible. Um, I love working with the staff and the teachers. It has been a wonderful experience for me and my children. Um, although parenting has not always been easy, um, and I doubt it is for anyone, I've learned so much about advocating for my child through these experiences. Last but not least, let's hear from Suzanne Ronch. Could you give me a glimpse into your background as a parent? Thank you, Wendy. Um, yes, I am a mom of six girls. Um, five of them still attend schools here in CUNA. Uh, I have two in elementary. I have one in middle school, and I have two in high school. Um, I have personally been in education for 21 years now, um, and I love being involved in my kids' education and just really being involved um, in all of our schools here. Thank you, Suzanne. appreciate it. So um, as we think about like starting the year strong, um, we're coming out of summer where kids may have a little more flexible routines and things like that. And we know how important it is um, to, to help kids get started in a supportive routine. So with, a, with the new school year here, um, establishing routines becomes crucial. And could you share some insights on that with all of our parents? So how about we start with Suzanne? Um, so for me, for our household, is we just really try to stick to our evening routines, our morning routines, um, making sure that we're organized. Because I feel like when we, when my, I'm setting my kids up for success, then that takes the stress off them and it sets them up for success for school. And it just allows them to have a nice, smooth, um, stressful day. 
Okay, great. Can you give Can you give me an example of kind of like what one of those routines might look like? <laughs> yes. Um, so we we try to have bedtime routines, but I have a lot of kids that play sports, so that doesn't always happen. Um, but just um, you know, getting my kids up in the morning. Um, helping them make their lunch and getting everything together. And something new that I actually started this year is um, in each of whether they do or don't bring lunch to school, because some of my high schoolers don't, um, is I write them a little inspirational note this year. And I've attached like their a small piece of their favorite candy. And so um, I did miss it this morning. And I one of my kids did say something to me, so. <laughs> but yeah, just just starting their day off in a positive, successful I love way. That. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, Courtney, what about you? Um, well, I started a new job this year, so <laughs> my schedule is a little different this year. So I think um, that was new to my son, and yeah. he is very much a schedule person. I think too, it helps us as parents we schedule helps us, but it also helps the teacher because they have to be on a schedule. And if you look like at the teacher schedule, everything that they have to fit in, in these like little 10 minute increments, I'm like, Oh gosh. So trying to not necessarily replicate all of that, but mirror that a little bit, I would say at home. Um, and then cutting out some of the summer activities, like we don't allow video games during the week, during the school year. So that's been, you know, that, I appreciate this CUNA school district starting on a Thursday so <laughs> that my son... Warm up, right? Yes, he has a warm up into that rule that yeah. is now applied for the next nine months. So, yeah, I Great. think... But we've we've um, done pretty well, and I think he's doing okay. How has he adjusted to you um, being on a similar schedule to him now working? Um, he's doing okay. It's a little different. Um He's had to have a – we've had to branch out to our village a little bit. Like, Mm -hmm. this was the very first first day of school that mom missed because I had to be at my job at the school. So – and not his school. Um, So – but luckily, dad, super dad, stepped in and did – made sure he took the pictures in the right spot in front of the right door with the right sign. (laughs) And um, I think it's been a struggle for Colton, but it's also been – I see him, he's proud of me. He like yeah. keeps, he wants to tell everybody, my mom got a job at the school. Yeah. My mom's going to work at a school. So I think he really, it makes me happy to see him proud. Yay. That's, yeah. that's an amazing story. Thank you. Um, Alicia, uh, what about you? You you have had, like you said, four kids all the way through many of our schools. What are some of the routines that you think have been effective for your kiddos? Well, um, along with my four kids, I have watched many kids in and out mm-hmm. of my home over the years. And so after school, I may or may not have taken way too many kids home in a vehicle, um, <laughs> but we got there safe. And uh, the biggest thing I would say is our, for after-school routines, um, we had snack at the table, and when my kids were young, we would do the homework together at the table. Um, as they got older, if it works to have it in the room, that may, might be a way to do it. Recently, I actually donated a portion of my room to my daughter's homework because it was stressing her out to have her stuff in her room. Um But again, that's like a one-child thing, not a four- to eight-child thing. Um, But doing it together, checking on what they do, that is like don't assume it's done. You need to check um, so that they know that you're going to ask and you're going to look. That is a huge part of um, teaching them responsibility. Yeah. 
Thank you. And as as a former teacher myself, I, I really appreciate the check-in, you know, making sure things get done. And I do my side of the of the equation at, at school. So thank you for sharing that really important check-in. Um, you know, the uh, in the Superintendent Advisory Council, of which these three amazing uh, moms um, are involved in very actively, we've talked a lot about communication and how the district can do better. And this is one of those attempts to, to do better and connect parents to one another. But we also know it's really critical to have communication between parents and teachers um, so that we have that partnership strong from the beginning um, for our kids. So what does successful communication between parents and teachers look like to you? Who like, do anybody want to go first or should I call on you, Courtney? You I'll, like do I'll do it. I'll do it. I am definitely, I have been accused of over communicating to people in different roles in my life. So I definitely appreciate when teachers lean that way. I don't want a teacher to ever feel afraid to give me information because like they're harassing me or sending me, like there's never too much information that you can give me. Even if it's the same stuff, at least I know and I can, it's more recent in my email and I can check it again. Um, I've appreciated when teachers have used different apps that I can just do a quick chat text type message to them because I know emails when you get a barrage of them they get lost and like oh oops it's way down here or it went to my spam folder and I didn't know um and I've appreciated that the principals doing their newsletters and things like that so definitely go use them as reference points on a daily basis great thank you Suzanne I'm big on communication that's like my my strongest belief is that communication is key. Um, so for me, for that to be successful, um, one thing like I did this school year is um, my one going into second grade has a lot of different sensories. There's a lot of um, different things that can make her emotional. For the last couple of years, I've worked with like her teachers on getting to know. So I wrote um, a letter to her teacher Um, for the beginning of the school year, just to let her know, like, what works for her, what her sensory is, like, this is what we've put into place to make her successful. And, you know, just, you know, I'm available, I'm here if she needs anything. Um, And then I kind of did the same thing with my high schooler. She has like a processing disorder and a 504. So um, one thing I found for the last couple years is if I set up a meeting with all her teachers in the very beginning of the school year and we're all together on the same page and we're all communicating together, it set her up for success, but it also helps the teachers because they have so many students that um, this kind of helps them um, get to know her a little yeah, bit better. Yeah. And um, and then again, I, you know, as a parent, getting involved in having your teachers know that you're going to help them um, and communicate um, is is key. And like you said, there's no such thing as over-communication, <laughs> especially when you have like 50 million different things going on yeah. and you're like, oh, thanks for the reminder. Don't apologize <laughs> right. for sending that again. <laughs> right. Thank so. you for reinforcing that. And Alicia, how about you? Um, I, I had a... a a very different experience than parents probably are having right now, raising my kids. It was pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, so some of my ideas may not 
they might be kind of stone age essentially and not <laughs> quite as helpful. Um, but one of the things that I did a lot was um, I was able to volunteer in the classroom with all of my kids. And I found that while I was in the classroom, um, oftentimes if there was like a break in schedule or, or something, I could talk with the teacher about my child's progress somewhat sure. regularly. Sure. And that was a huge um, help to me just because I I have some difficult children and then I have some quieter children. They just needed a little bit of, like, I need to know how they're doing so that I can do my part, mm-hmm. right? And an email might be just as good for that. Um, another thing that I did, it sounds strange, but I ate lunch with my children at least once a month. And I don't know if schools allow that anymore. Absolutely. Um, but I was able to g- meet their friends. I was able to see the classroom experience, how they line up, what they do. Um, and then when I was at home, I could say to my son, oh, well, and I use the same word his teacher would use and he knew exactly what I was saying because of the wording I used and I would just steal their little ways of dealing with my child and I'd be like do it this way and he'd be like oh no she's got my number now you know (laughs) Um, that was really helpful so um, and as far as 504s go I do have one child with a 504 and those situations are key to meet with the whole group of teachers to allow the student to meet the teacher outside of the classroom so that they can trust that teacher and um, understand that situation differently than if they just see the student in class. There's a lot of misconceptions that can happen that way. So any communication you do, it needs to be genuine and it needs to be um, positive. Mm. I think that's a huge part because our teachers are trying and they want to help. But when you think of how overloaded their lives are, it's really difficult. So just be kind. I think that would be the thing I would say. And um, they'll try to help you, I'm sure. So Thank you. Um, it's it's a lot easier, isn't it, to respond to a, an, an engagement request, you know, where we're working together than it is to, and assume positive intentions, like you said, Alicia, I really appreciate that um, input. Um, sometimes when it's not so nice, it's a little bit, may, may make a teacher or anybody feel a little bit um, hesitant to, to respond. So I appreciate that. You guys are all so positive. Um, we we all in the room here have kids at different ages, and we know how important it is to begin to nurture independence because one of our goals for in our in our school district and also as parents, right, is to make sure that kids are ready to take on the world after school. Um, as your kids grow, um, fostering independence becomes important. Um, any advice to parents in this regard, like? When do they get to do things on their own? When do they not? When do they need me? Yeah. So um, one of my children, I won't disclose which one, was extremely difficult to raise. And after having the experience with the other other children prior to that, I thought, oh, I can do this. And then I realized with this child, I don't have a clue what to do. And what ended up working best for us was that I needed to give him a choice mm. because he wanted to be independent at such a young age. And I just thought, oh, I can't do that. But I took love and logic. That's one theory that might work for you. Not the only one. But the idea being that the more choices you give your child at the younger ages, the choices that don't matter, you know, what color of shirt are you going to wear today? Um, Things like that. Then tying that choice to whatever consequence it may be. And I have a sign at home that says your choices and your consequences are essentially tied together. You can't always choose your consequence, but you kind of are 
when you choose your choice. Oh, yeah. And so um, I've really tried to indoctrinate my children with that idea. Um, And then when things don't go right, you can just explain the situation. Well, you know, you made that choice. What's going to happen? You're going to live with that consequence. Um, That kind of an idea. And I think as you work through those things, it does build and teach independence because they want to make their choices. And if they want to be um, happy with their choices, right? And so the sooner you give them that opportunity, the sooner they're learning about how to make those choices. So great. I'm a big fan of love and logic, too. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Voice and choice. Yeah, voice and choice, choice, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I think for me... um, is I one one of the things that I always try to do with my kids is being able to advocate for them. Mm-hmm. So I always want them to know, like I that communication part comes back in because you always want to make sure that you have open communication with your kids. And for me, having six, like they all have six different personalities yeah. and they all need six different things. And so learning what each one needs and being there for them with each one of their needs, but. Um, but advocating for them, but then also teaching them to advocate for themselves. So, um, you know, I kind of start that with, you know, like if it's for school, like go talk to your teacher first, you know, and then if you need me, then I'll come in and I'll advocate for you and we'll work together as a team. So um, it's given both my two high schoolers, they've had such such successful school years um, because of that. And they've already started like advocating for themselves already this school year. So um, I think just setting them up for success, um, showing support and um, just teaching them those life skills. Yeah. Thank you. Corey? Um, Yeah. So it's funny that you hit on that. I was going to say the same thing. Um, I've had a lot of, with new changes in our life, my son's had a lot of independence kind of thrown at him. So um, staying home alone for the first time while mom ran and did something. And um, But also I really love the key point you say about advocating for yourself. I've had a lot of parents come to me, whether they knew me through PTA or through baseball or football or some other organization, and they're like, do you know this teacher, blah, 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 and want to ask me. And I'm like, you know, have your kid talk. Like, yeah. Fostering that avocation for yourself is so, I think, key. Um, and sometimes I get, for me personally, my son tends to, he, because he is an only child, um, forget that mom and dad aren't just equals because he doesn't have a sibling to kind of know yeah. like, oh, it's us versus, like, yeah. it's not us versus them. Like when it's kids versus parents, yeah. it's them against me. Yeah. So he yeah. takes things. So he tends to just like, I'm one of, I'm one of you guys, right? right. We're all on right. equal. So that's been a fine balance, um, balancing that and then still fostering him learning how to be independent and advocate for himself. And one of the key things um, that Somebody told me recently, who is actually an educator in this district, um, the personality traits that are hard to parent sometimes are the best personality traits that will make them a successful adult. And I find that I was like, oh. Man, I really love that. I got to remember that. Like right now, it's really hard <laughs> when you have to like know everything and why and when and how uh-huh. and or when you 
are sticking up for like when you are so stubborn but I know that I just keep telling myself okay it's hard to parent but it as an adult he's gonna be willful and strong and yeah. so I think that's a good key note to remind yeah. ourselves sometimes I <laughs> absolutely used, I used to tell myself don't squash it yeah. yes and not yeah. just like yeah. let his light shine like sometimes I feel like I have to be like okay he's because my son is very Mr. Social he's was the kindergartners it was high five and fifth graders like hey buddy how you doing <laughs> as we were leaving like the first week of school and I'm like stop it you know and I like that squash it like okay don't don't put it there's plenty of people in the world that will push his or yeah. that will dim his light mm-hmm. I don't yeah. want to be that one so yeah yeah we none of us want to dim the lights right we want to make sure they shine and find what makes our kids that you know what are their strengths what mm-hmm. makes them shine I love that um so the other thing about, you know, kind of a start of a school year, and some of you have already talked about this, like you have kids at different ages, different stages, um, and each age kind of has a different need. You know, we all talk about, oh, middle school, right? Or, oh, kindergarten, you know, tears and all of those different things. And you've been through that as as parents in this district. How do you manage those different stages as a parent? You know, I'm thinking of some of the conversations we've had in the advisor council, you know, when your child is an elementary student and then they go to middle school and it's so different, you know, some of those kind of things that you could give advice to parents about. Or advice to Courtney, because she's not quite gone to middle school yet. I haven't had. (laughs) Again, that's why I join these groups and am part of the PTA, and I sit and I chat on the sidelines with other parents so I can kind of have a heads up for what my future might hold. Yeah, and I think Alicia told me this years ago. She she said something about parents trust other parents with advice. You know, they appreciate input from schools, but it's like when it gets real is with parents. You want to talk a little bit about some of those transitions and some of those ideas? So um, one of my best things I've found with a middle schooler is helping them make friends. Mm. Um, And not in middle school. I'm talking about in elementary. Foster those friendships and throughout the district. So if you're involved in football or if you're involved in fill in the blank, whatever it is, get to know those parents Make them part of your support group. Make the friendship between the kids good. Because I realized with my daughter through volleyball and other things that when we went and sat down at CUNA Middle, we were surrounded by friends Mm. from across the district. Mm. Even though we went to one elementary school, she knew people everywhere. Whereas with my other children at times, we weren't as surrounded because they didn't reach out and they weren't as social. But my daughter was very social. And so when she had a, a struggle, she had a friend. You know, and so, and as they go along, at least for my kids, their friend circle kind of shrinks, you know, because everybody's going different ways. Um, But when you do transition from that elementary to the middle school, I found that walking the middle school to their classrooms, and you walk from a certain point to a certain point, here's a locker, here's a this, here's a that, and you're walking the building pretending as if you're in a day, um, that was really helpful as well, because they are more familiar with walking the school, not just where the classroom is, but the school itself. So um, those things have kind of helped with middle school. Yeah, thank you. Suzanne? Six <laughs> girls. <laughs> you probably have Talk a lot about, of advice in this about area. emotions and socialness. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I know for me, like when we've kind of transitioned from 
elementary into middle or even middle into high school, like what it's going to look like, um, just preparing them. Like right now you have one teacher, like when you get to middle and high school, you're going to have multiple teachers, like you're going to have multiple things. So just trying to set them up for that success. Um, I do agree with the friends (laughs) and, uh, sadly it gets even harder in high school. So I feel for some of my kids sometimes, but, um, yeah, just, just helping them guide them. Um, they're all, they're all different. So they've all kind of needed something different. So it's not one person fit the same box every time. So, and, and mine are different on social levels. Yeah. So like my one right now in seventh grade is nowhere near any of her other sisters. Like she just keeps, she has her own little friend group Uh and they like, I don't really have to worry about her or my other ones. They were like, social and I'm like hey well what what are you doing like yeah I have to reel you in um so um so yeah it's very very different yeah you mentioned activities both all three of you at one point during our conversation today what what is the role in like getting kids involved in activities with managing kind of some of those transitions how do you see that help or challenge you I was just really grateful. Thank you for asking that because I feel like whatever interest it is that they have is what will help them transition. Yeah, yeah. So if anybody else wanted to springboard from that, please do. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I love that you say, you all kind of said that, but my son um, is so close, I think, with some of his buddies and we call it the baseball moms or whatever. Yeah. We have like our own little yeah. group chat and we have, we've been passing around pictures of all of three of our kids that were in the kinder together. And we're like, they better stay friends. Cause this is going to be a really good graduation reel <laughs> of all these pictures that we have them of being on the same teams. And um, I just think it, even though maybe a kid decides not to play that sport anymore or whatever. Yeah. You, my son still is like, oh, mom, this so-and-so is in my class. You remember he was on my soccer team yeah. three years ago. Yeah. It, so it, isn't, it doesn't even matter if they, oh, you can't, you start playing this sport or do this activity here. You have to stick with it. It still is an impression and a stamp that's made on yeah. each other. So you can kind of know. One thing I always used to tell people um, when people would ask me about CUNA and living in CUNA and how I felt about the growth and blah, 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 and, um, I would say, I knew a story or a fact about every person that walked across the stage at graduation. Mm -hmm. I may not know them. I may not have been their best friend, but I could tell you, oh, that person loves to read or, oh, that person is, lives on a farm or is into egg or something like that. Just from being in, I remember in third grade, that kid was really good at jump rope. Yeah. So those connections still like, plant in your brain. And I think that was something I loved about CUNA and why I wanted my son to be raised here. Yeah. So I don't know that it's as easy now with our numbers, but (laughs) yeah. But yeah, extracurricular is sometimes where you get those connections, right? That you may not have in a, in a third grade. And all like, I've overheard my son and his friends being like, are you going to go to Fremont? Are you going to go to KMS? Where are you going to go? Where are you boundaried? I don't know. Can we all go? Mom, can you talk to so-and-so? Can we all go to the same school? Yeah. What is going to happen? I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen, buddy. Let's just get through this. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. You'll know. You'll, and I've seen it too with kids that are best friends that one is in KMS and one is at Fremont and then they play against each other and it's so fun to see them like 
have that friendship and then the rivalry and the friendship again right away. So yeah, it's fun to see the rivalry between the two middle schools that we haven't had, right? Right. Historically, we haven't had, right? Yeah. 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 I've also experienced the friendships that you have in, um, in elementary, and then they do go to different middle schools, yeah. and you kind of sort of try to foster that and keep it alive, sort of, but then they get back to high school, and they're like, oh, yeah, you're my friend. I remember yeah. that. And so, you know, that is that is the beauty of CUNA, is that just like, I mean, I, when I went to high school, I knew something about everybody, too, but as a mom, my, my kids get really annoyed. Oh, mom, you know that person, and I'd tell <laughs> them a story or say something, yeah. and they're like, so my son actually has made an art of finding friends that I don't know their parents or I know nothing about. And he's more active to be likely to be their friend because yeah. they don't, he doesn't want me to know anything about his friend. I don't know. It's hilarious. Yeah. So, well, and it's an opportunity yeah. for you to make new friends, right? Too. Exactly. Because like, <laughs> as I learned from all of you, you get involved yeah, and you become it. friends with yes. uh, your yes. kids' parents' friends. Absolutely. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, you guys, really, this has been a joy, and there's been so many fantastic insights and, and great stories that you've shared. Is there anything you want to kind of say as your, like, final comment for this topic of, like, getting kids ready for a really great start to the school year? I would say for me, um, and I kind of talked about this, is just getting involved. Um, yeah. I know we're all here that getting involved, but um, there's just getting involved in your kids, like, join the pack. Yeah. Um, join the PTO or the PTA. Um, you know, go to board meetings. Just get involved wherever you can and sit on whatever committees that you can because not only are you learning about the school and getting involved, but for me, my kids see me. My kids yeah. see me getting involved in the school. And I think, you know, they make comments and it, it does bring them joy and it they do like us helping and you know, I know it's not for every parent, not every parent is, um, and we're all in the same situation, but, um, but just get involved. Great. I would say that. Thank you. Lisa, what would you say? Just to springboard off of that, like that involvement might just be getting to know your kids' friends' families. Yeah. Or it might be encouraging a friendship that your child hasn't made yet because mm. you know the parents already. Um, just that networking between children is essential for their um, transition and growth and development, um, they will remember those people and feel more comfortable within a room if they know a few faces. Yeah, so. absolutely. Courtney, do you have any final yeah. comments? Um, I guess a couple things I, to say it again, the volunteering. Um, if you can't even, if you can't volunteer in the schools, I know I, my schedule allowed me to do that, but my husband's didn't, yeah. but he volunteers to coach. And it's so great because he doesn't get to see, he doesn't get to do the field trips. He doesn't get to do some of the day-to-day fun stuff, but he goes to pick up our son at school every once in a while and hears, hey, coach, hey, coach. And kids that he coached two or three years ago still, and he loves that. So I think if you can't do the, you know, you work the eight to five job and you can't, there's so many youth activities Mm -hmm. that are dying for volunteers that will not survive if we don't have volunteers. Um, and I guess the one thing I have it like um, as my word of the year is to give yourself grace as a parent mm-hmm. to make mistakes and also your teachers like we talked about going in with a positive outlook and yeah. like assume good intentions like 
is it's crazy and hectic, like go in and, and send your teacher that email and say, how can I support you? And just ask them what they need, whether it's copies or maybe they need, you know, oh, I know in the spring I'm going to have this really big field trip and I'm going to need a lot of volunteers or just, yeah, just to, to um, assume that positive and give them grace because I've not met an educator in this district that I felt didn't have best intentions for my kid. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with me. I appreciate you. Thank you. You guys have been fabulous to kick off our very first podcast um, for a long goal for myself to get this rolling. So thank you. Um, To our listeners, remember that each school year brings new opportunities for growth. With the guidance from our incredible panelists, these fine, amazing moms and volunteers and advocates in the room, you're well equipped to make this a successful year for both you and your children. Until next time, stay curious and stay connected. And remember, together we can.